Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to The Sage Says. I'm your show host, Debbie Gardner-McCullough, DG McCullough. I'm a narrative coach and a communications coach from New Zealand based in the fine state of Wisconsin. In each episode, The Sage Sayers podcast unpacks communications tips and strategies, and we interview interesting individuals from all around the world who found a gift, an opportunity, and even some knowledge from life's inevitable challenges. My guest this week is Deb Skada. She's a leadership coach and a consultant who brings 30 years of experience in healthcare, business, and transforming people. Deb's an experienced leader and an experienced coach, and she's had a really interesting tapestry of careers throughout her lifetime, including critical care nursing, where she brings in that expertise that led her into the pharmaceutical industry. Now she's partnering with leaders. She's elevating their impact, and she's enhancing how they succeed through both her coaching and her consultation. So how do I know Deb? Well, we met in coaching school and we're the two Debs from the Madison University Professional Coaching Certificate Training Program. And we live quite close to each other too. So I'm so happy to have my dear friend Deb Skada with the Stage Sayers. Welcome, Deb. Thank you so much. I'm delighted and honored to be here, Debbie. Oh, it was so great. I had this idea. I really want Deb on the show for so many reasons. And one of the things that drew me to you as a friend is just hearing your rich background, all the different careers that you've held. And then, of course, you've made this big, bold transition recently, leaving corporate America and going out on your own as a coach. So I can't wait to unpack that because so many of my coaches and and others I know just are really keen on what helps us make these transitions. How do we know when it's time and how do we weave in all of the what we've learned into what we're doing today? So I can't wait to learn more. I do love to start the reporter in me, Deb, and you know this about me from knowing me for a couple of years now, is to start at the start. So I know only threads and I'd love to know more. But can you tell us a little bit about your early childhood, where you were, what swirled around you? And then when did you have any inkling, if you did at all, on what you might go on to do, become a nurse, an executive, and then a leadership coach? Yeah, <laughs> it's really kind of a funny story. So I, I grew up in, in western Wisconsin in the Driftless area um, in a very small community of about 200 people. I um, in the I am the oldest child in my family. I have a, a younger sister and a younger brother, and more importantly, I'm the oldest of 29 grandchildren. Whoa, um, yeah, 29. 29 grandchildren um, on my mother's side. In fact, my grandmother, who has always been and will forever be an inspiration to me, and and actually helped me when I was trying to make some pretty big life decisions, I guess, um, said things. And uh, her mantra in life really influenced me. But um, she passed away right at the beginning of COVID. And um, so often, in fact, I have a picture of her on my desk, because she's really, really inspired me um, in my lifetime. But um, I so I started off, I grew up in in small town, uh, Midwest, um, I went into nursing school, and when I was in in high school trying to decide what to do, 
um, I wasn't quite sure that I actually wanted to go to college, meaning a, a four-year college. And my grandmother was the one that said, it really doesn't matter where you go, what you do, just keep growing, keep learning, because no one will ever be able to take away or repossess your education and what you learn in life. So true. What a wise woman ahead of her time. So keep growing, keep learning, and no one can possess what you've learned in life. Yep. Um, So I I went into uh, nursing, critical care nursing in particular, love that. And um, I would love to say I was very, very intentional about moving into the pharmaceutical and biopharmaceutical world. But the reality was I sort of um, moved into that really from a practical perspective. Um, my husband and I had had a newborn and um, I knew someone who was working there. In fact, it was my mother-in-law that was working for the company and they were looking for a, a critical care nurse. I never thought in a million years they would hire someone from a small town in the middle of nowhere. And um, so I went knowing that I wasn't quite sure that I wanted to move into a corporate setting. I continued to work at the hospital Mm -hmm. um, for several months, for for about nine, almost 10 months, um, doing both jobs. And so just to make sure that I wasn't giving up um, that, that hospital setting. And, um, it, initially I really did not enjoy the corporate setting at all. After about six months, I realized that, you know, maybe this was something that I, I could really bring a lot of value to. I felt that instead of helping three or four patients a day, when I was working, I was having the ability to interact with patients, physicians, nurses, pharmacists, hundreds of them on a daily basis. And so I felt that my um, ability to help others was actually going a bit broader. Mm -hmm. And um, so I had a variety of different roles when I was in the pharmaceutical industry. And um, about 10, 12 years ago, I was in a role um, that I was knew that I was not really happy and satisfied in. I hired my own coach at that time because I was planning on going back to bedside nursing. And in working with that coach, I decided um, that actually I wanted to be a coach. The timing was not quite right at that point in time. So I, I stayed within the corporate environment. I changed companies, changed roles that I did. And, but I, I, at that point had a real passion for understanding leadership development, coaching, what coaching was, what coaching wasn't, mm-hmm. and how it was so important in helping people get clear on what they wanted, what really lit them up, and what that connective tissue was, Um for planning and delivering and amplifying really the future. And at that point, sort of mapped out how I wanted to eventually get to that point. So fast forward a few out, few years later, um, got very intentional, started searching on coaching programs and um, went through a coaching program while I was working, um, became 
certified in Dare to Lead with Brene Brown at the same time and did a few other things all in parallel and um, then launched my own coaching in the leadership development practice while I was still working, um, really as a side side gig or side hustle. And about um, two years after that, then decided it was time for me to leave the corporate world. And now I coach and uh, do leadership development consulting and facilitation full time. Amazing. And you make it sound so seamless, Deb. So you were doing this and then you heard about this. And But I know from coaching and making my own career transitions, it, there is some big thought processes that go into these changes. And one of the things I hear the most is when do you know it's time to make a change? So just going back to this, when you were in nursing and critical care and then found heard of this new corporate role, what was at that what were the thought processes at the time that made that transition seem a doable and be the right transition mm, a great question you know it's kind of interesting because from a development perspective well let me say this when I made that transition from critical care nursing and bedside nursing to moving into a corporate setting it was truly from a practical perspective my husband and I had, um, we didn't have any parents or siblings or anything like that, that were in the area that could help us with very small children. Mm-hmm. Um, and working at that time, I was working every other weekend, I was working holidays, I was working 12, 13 hour shifts. Yeah. Um, my, our children are 16 months apart. Um, and it was tough. It was really, really, really tough. And when I had the opportunity then to move into a role that was Monday through Friday, no weekends, no holidays. Yeah. um, With having small children from a practical perspective, it it, honestly, it was the, that aspect of it. I would love to say it was very intentional from a, you know, career. And I knew exactly what I was going to be doing. Um, In fact, at the time I was in, my ma- I have a master's in nursing and I was halfway through my master's in nursing program and had was concerned that I was going to have to quit my my master's program because I wasn't going to be working at the bedside. And um, what I ended up doing is going into my faculty advisor and basically saying I'm challenge and changing the area that I'm working in. How can I pivot and how can I change my thesis? so that I can still complete this program. Amazing. So I'm hearing that the transition really came from knowing that the schedule that you were working was just not conducive to being a mom. So it was the, the thought process might have been, okay, what what work can give me the ideal life balance or the ideal day? And I think that's a really helpful tool, right? Has your coach ever asked you as you were in that problem solving or that strategy side of career transitioning, mine asked me, if you could wave a magic wand, what would be the perfect day? (laughs) What would you, what, you know, what time would you get out of bed? What time, you know, how much of a breakfast would you have, if any at all? You know, how would the flow of your day look and feel? And just really trying to visualize, was it, was it anything like that? Or was it just absolutely kind of um, a a speedy transition? At when I was making that transition from from bedside nursing um, into that corporate setting, I didn't have a coach. 
Mm -hmm. Um, And it would have been really helpful. So it was one of those sorts of things where I don't think at that time it was that intentional. It Mm -hmm. was really just sort of survival. Mm -hmm. And intuitively, I, I probably knew that I needed something to continue to keep me growing and be challenged. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was really, really important, important to me. Yeah. Um, but, you know, being a, a parent of two small children and working full time and actually being in school at that time, too, um, sleep was really a luxury. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I remember when my kiddos were that age, those ages. And I wondered from nursing to corporate world and now to coaching, how has the experience of nursing helped you as a communicator start, starting in the corporate world and then even, and then how's the corporate world experience helped you as a coach from a communication standpoint? What rollover mm. of skills or insights do you find coming to you now? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say a couple things. One is um, my critical thinking skills that I learned in nursing school have been really, really helpful in everything that I have done in my career. So whether that was that corporate setting or even from a coaching, from a communication perspective, I think it and is not only what is being said, but what is not being said. Oh, yeah, big one. And so often in nursing, um, one of the very first things that you learn in nursing is how to do a good assessment. Mm-hmm. And a good assessment from any healthcare provider perspective is not only what the patient is telling you, but the way the patient is asking, their skin color, their respirations, um, you know, th- there's just a lot of lot of things that you can assess on, on a patient's stability and pain levels, you know, based on things that that they don't say. Mm-hmm. And I think in coaching, there are so many things that we can see and we can observe in the way our clients are saying things, the speed, um, the the tone of their voice, um, yep. the excitement in their voice. Yeah, whether they look up and away if they're contemplating absolutely nonverbal cues right you know and thinking about what they're telling you and why you know why might they be telling you something Mm -hmm. what connection exists between this and that yes yeah amazing how powerful Deb and what about when you're so you you rose very very high in the pharmaceutical firm where you served until recently and I wondered now that you're out on your own and, and thriving as a coach through your own practice, what lessons did you learn along the way from working at that high level for the pharmaceutical firm mm. that you can roll into coaching today? Yeah. You know, I would say, I think for me, it is people are people are people, regardless of the level that or the title someone has within an organization. Yeah. Um, you know, I think sometimes people get wrapped up in, you know, whether it's an executive level title, whether it's a VP level, what those titles might be. But the reality of it is, you know, most people are 
trying to do the best they can with whatever the situation is. Um, you know, one of the things that I always found interesting because of the level that I was at, I had the opportunity to um, be in, in some executive room, rooms when some pretty um, important decisions were made and how difficult it is for leaders and executives at high levels to make decisions because they're, you know, they're, they're not in the trenches. Mm-hmm. Um, they're relying on the information that they get from others and to make really important decisions. And so often people who are deeper into the organizations, whether they're individual contributors, managers, senior leaders, are sometimes really afraid to deliver bad news and want to paint the best picture. And so there's frequently there's this gap of decision-making with with or without complete information. And I think the biggest thing for me was establishing that level of trust Mm -hmm. on communicating and sharing the right information at the right time. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. And I'd love to hear that part of what the gift of working at that level. And I know you worked with executives all over the world and, often traveled for this role too. I'd love to hear that one of the big gifts was just knowing that no matter how high up you are, you are a person. We are all just people. And that's a powerful knowing as a communicator to not feel spooked by someone per their title. Mm-hmm. I often think of the, I haven't got the data, but I'd like to gather it. There was some interesting study that came out about a decade ago, just that one of the biggest challenges CEOs face is loneliness. And I often think about that as a coach on when we're when a leader's high, our audiences often feel so spooked <laughs> by our, the height and the and the rate at which we've risen, and yet we we're just a person. We've just risen, and it's that's a really great takeaway. I wondered when you communicate your transitions, critical care nursing to your work in in the corporate world with a pharmaceutical firm, and now you're um, coaching. How do you find it, what what becomes an effective way to communicate these transitions, both with, especially when it comes to prospective clients or if you're going out with another employer, how do you, what, what did you find useful as you communicated the transitions that you've done? They seem completely logical to me and I love how your bio reads, but what, what did you kind of tell yourself as you communicated your career to others? Mm. You know, I think for me, um, it felt that I was always in roles that were very much around helping and serving others. And also that my roles also required critical thinking and connections. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt that and still feel that in the roles that I had, it had a lot of um, opportunity for me to communicate and translate information, even though we were frequently speaking the same language, which was always English. There were times when, you know, whether you're speaking, you know, medical jargon or corporate financial jargon or, 
or a jargon from a regulatory agency. Um, there were things that needed to be said and shared and explained in ways that we could all understand. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the connection point for all of them. And, and for me, that transition and being someone then then has had the opportunity to be in leadership roles, um, connecting and understanding that that connection point of saying things simply, saying things clearly, and saying things directly, and sometimes actually also saying what you're not saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. Thanks, Deb. And I wondered now that you're a coach and you're working full time as a coach or building up your practice, what feels most joyous about this work? I know from our friendship that you love it, but what are you what are you loving the most and why? Mm. Oh my gosh, there's so many things I could say about that. And it can include your response can include being out on your own too after being an employee for so long. Yeah, it's, you know, for me, it's the ahas. It's when I have the opportunity to have a conversation with someone or ask a question that you can, I can see the new awareness in someone's Mm -hmm. face, hear it in their voice. Mm -hmm. Um, Just yesterday, I was facilitating a a session um, related to vulnerability and um, and values with a team of about 15, 15 people. Mm-hmm. And we, we had a conversation around how to show up and be vulnerable with some very senior leadership people in the organization and how to, to say and, and ask questions when you still need more time to process, but you're a junior person in the room or an individual contributor in the room. And it was such a powerful conversation. And the team shared very specific examples of when someone spoke up and said, I didn't think I got it right. And someone else said, oh, my gosh, I thought you were so incredibly brave. And remember, then the VP of that team said, well, let's pause and let's come back next week and talk about it and reinforce that if she wouldn't have asked her question they would have just moved forward with a decision that the team wasn't ready for. Amazing. Yeah. How does it feel to have those moments? Oh, it just, it feels, you know, it reminded me of when, you know, when I was working in, in a hospital setting at the bedside and, and helping patients, right. Helping, helping make a difference, right. Helping others, serving others. Helping humanity. Yes. Just a little bit with each session. Yes. (laughs) Deb, it's been such a lovely time having you on the Sage Sayers today. And it's my parting question. I wondered when I speak with others who want to create lasting career change and find something that truly brings them joy, something more meaningful, they just feel stuck. I wondered what might you encourage them to think or do to feel less stuck? Mm. You know, it sounds may sound cliche ish, but it's for me, it's around really listening to your body as far as what lights you up, what what gives you that little tingling at the end of your fingertips or those butterflies in a good way, right? Because 
being excited and and that nervous energy when something goes really well um, and you feel a little bit giddy of it, that that is a sign that that's a positive thing for you. Um, you might not know why. You might might not even know what exactly that means. The last few jobs that I had in the corporate world, I was the very first person to take that job. The job didn't even exist. And I think that's one of the things that people are thinking about moving into something else. Don't be thinking about a job title. Be thinking about an activity that brings you pleasure, that that you are good at, that brings value to the company that you work for. Because a title isn't necessarily it, it what it is. It's the activity and the value. Activity, the value, and how you feel. Yes. As you go about doing it. It's the trifecta. Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful insight and wisdom. Deb Scarter, thank you so much for your time today. I wondered how can my readers, sorry, my readers, my listeners find you? Um, they can reach out to me. Um, my website is thriveforwardcoaching.com can email me at deb at thriveforwardcoaching.com or give me a phone call or a text message, um, which my phone number is 262-515-4307. And I'd I'd love to talk to anybody. Oh, thanks, Deb. And I'll make sure that information's in the show notes too. And you've been listening to the Sage Sayers podcast. I'm your host, DG McCullough. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find more information about me, you'll find within the show notes my Calendly link. Feel free to book me for a consultation, a free coaching sample session. And I'm in the market currently for group coaching clients. So if you think you'd like to hire me as your coach or trainer for a group, particularly on communications topics, click on that link and let's set up an appointment to chat. You can also find my LinkedIn profile in the same show notes and my website is hangingrockcoaching.com. Thanks so much for listening and I will speak with you again soon. Bye-bye for now. Ooh.